Hello, Tim. Oh. <laughs> Elaine, hi. Don't worry, Tim. I didn't come by to yell at you. I didn't come by for that at all. I just came by to pick up my label maker. I gave you a label maker, and now I would like to have it back. But you gave it to me. <gasps> but you gave me a ticket to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Hand it over, Watley. Uh, okay. You don't have the label maker, do you? Uh, no. I knew it! You're a re-gifter! Oh, yeah, some gift. That thing didn't work at all. What? You put a label on something, then ten minutes later it would peel right off. It was the worst gift I ever got. But I don't want to be a secondary character. You're a re-gifter. Yeah, I know. It was actually you that brought in those playing cards, the Festivus ones. So was that a gift to me and I just got to, you know, re-gift it to someone else? Yes, that's right. That's you need exactly. to re-gift it back to me. <laughs> yes. Which would I mean. actually make you a re-gifter and a de-gifter. I'd be a de-gifter, yes. I wouldn't and be a re-gifter. And at the same time. Yeah, I know. Just like uh, Tim Watley. Tim Watley, I know, which we have spoken about in the past. That's right. Yeah. And we will be speaking him a bit uh, more today yeah. uh, on this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan. And uh, this week we are talking about the label maker the label maker that's right from season six episode 12 an episode Stephen, which at first when i watched it i didn't really like it too much i thought the the kramer and newman risk you know b story was pretty funny like yeah. that was probably the funniest part of the episode and newman being all sneaky and stuff but i didn't really enjoy the a story too much but then when i watched it again the other day i thought it's not too bad not one of my quintessential seinfeld episodes that i'd recommend but it was reasonably enjoyable nonetheless it grew on you it did, yes. Okay. It was like a label that stuck to me, you know? Yep. You know, it wasn't like, you know, the but label it did, maker. It didn't fall off. Yeah, you know, the glue wasn't weak. Yeah. You know, poor Scott. The glue was, it's a slow bonding glue. It is. You know, initially it's wet and then over over the week <laughs> it, it slowly bonded with you. Yeah, basically. Yeah, we just became one. That's right. Yes. It was a little a little bit of me in, in the labels or yep. something, in the labels, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And if you want to bond with us, we have an email address. Oh, we do, yes. Podcast at gmail.com. And we're on social media at Bidwabask. And what's our website, man? Uh, Bidwabask.com. And uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you want to rate us and review us, that would be amazing. Yes, and we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. So be sure to gift us, but don't re-gift. <laughs> you That's know, right. Don't get your donations back, please. Yeah. Don't, you, yeah. No, no, you want to gift us, but don't de-gift us. Yeah, exactly. Did you, yeah. Did you say de-gift or re-gift? No, re sorry, I meant, I meant de-gift. Yeah. Don't de-gift us. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. If uh, yeah, you want to get some uh, exclusive content per week for $5 a month, you can check out a Patreon. That would be amazing. Or if you just want to support us and get a shout-out once in a while on the podcast, uh, $1 a month. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So head along and check it out. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, Stephen, i just like to say as well, before we do get cracking into the episode, um, last night on my other podcast, which I do called In Melbourne Last Week, that's a, an interview podcast that I that I do. Uh, there's already 13 episodes, so if you haven't listened yet, please be sure to you know, subscribe. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, last night, I did an episode where I spoke about my cancer diagnosis last year. I actually had cancer uh, last year, and I had surgery to remove it. Major surgery. I actually uh, had half my pelvis uh, amputated, uh, my left one. So I know it's probably a bit of a shock, and I, I'm sorry that I never mentioned it, um, but it's something which I really wanted to... I needed 
you know, because it was such a big operation and it was about six month recovery, I, you know, basically from surgery to walking again, I had to uh, have all the power I needed to, to get through it. So I'm really sorry I never mentioned it, but I was just mentioning to you, Stephen, on the way, you know, to the studio that um, basically I, I did, I, I wanted the show to carry on, Bibbobask, you know, I felt like we did a great thing. And we, that's why we were on Skype for the first half or maybe first quarter or so of season two yeah. of Bibbobask. I was basically in bed. <laughs> I couldn't leave the house. So, uh, yeah, that would yeah. make sense. A couple of those weeks I was in Germany as well. Yeah, which which all happened yeah. to line up. That would well. have happened anyway. But, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I think there was four or five weeks where you were mm. in bed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, out of hospital. I was in hospital for six weeks, but then at home for about another six. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just want to say, if you, I, I tell my story in the, in the latest episode, so uh, be sure to subscribe, and, and thank you very much for supporting you know us and Bidwell Basque, and also if you listened to In Melbourne last week, thanks very much, and... Uh, I feel like I can move on and we can create some kick-ass podcasts so we can continue to, right, Steve? That's that's the plan. That's the plan, man. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, without getting too sappy, mm. Um, mm. I think, you know, the fact that you wanted to continue on and, well, not so much that you wanted to, but that you did, given such a, you know, huge, monumental, life-changing situation. Yeah. And the fact that you maintained a positive attitude throughout, um, you know, and you know kept your spirits up and kept your keenness every time we recorded even though it was over skype and it was a bit more challenging yeah i guess yeah. especially for you <laughs> yeah yeah the situation yeah exactly um yeah. yeah you know it it yeah it's it's amazing and inspiring so you know i'm glad that this part of your life is you know for now is over yeah and uh, i hope it stays that way and i'm looking forward to the next however long until you know we talk about seinfeld until the very end yeah that sounds good thanks so much man all good it's really good anyway thanks again listeners as well Yep. And uh, let's move on with the show, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so today we're talking about, as we mentioned, Season 6, Episode 12, The Label Maker. Uh, the characters we're going to talk about today are George's episode girlfriend, Bonnie, uh, her housemate, male housemate, <laughs> Scott, who looks a lot <laughs> like Jason Alexander, so great casting. He does. He does, deliberately, of course. And the Ukrainian on the subway. That's right. I am Ukrainian. <laughs> and uh, I a smash. <laughs> Ukraine is not weak. Hey, we're trying to play a game here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're playing a game here, buddy. We're <laughs> a game here, buddy. That's right. But before we do talk about some secondary characters, we'll talk about some Seinfeld news. Yeah. So to kick off this week's Seinfeld news, uh, it is a, another update about the forthcoming 10th season of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Here we go. So two weeks ago, the guest list for the forthcoming season was announced, uh, including Ellen DeGeneres, Matthew Broderick, uh, all sorts of guests, uh, and they've actually released a preview. So I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday, so about a week ago, um, probably the same day that we released last week's episode on Jay Peterman. Mm. Um there's a 90 second preview and it's actually really good so the the start of it is uh filmed in sort of a like a 60s ad or a 50s <laughs> ad sort of way yeah 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 have you seen it no i haven't yet but but it's it's relative because a lot of jerry's cars are from like the 60s and the 70s yeah. and stuff so it's yeah it's quite apt and I the guess. angle that yeah. they're you know as well as showing like snippets of of the interviews and the cars and stuff for the season uh, it's with Matthew 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 Matthew
They're still married, I think, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure they see each other as food in some weird, creepy way. <laughs> oh, Ferris Bueller. Drinking he wears his jacket, he still dresses like Ferris Bueller. I'm sure so, they do that, you yeah. know, to re-spark or, you know, to keep the spark going in yeah. their marriage. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> anyway. You no, know, she dresses like Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw. Bradshaw, yeah. Is that her character? In, uh, <laughs> not Sex Carrie Bickmore. Carrie Bickmore. That's the Australian. <laughs> That's the TV personality, no. Yeah. Carrie Bradshaw, yeah. Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe well, they're both blonde. I guess. Who knows? Uh, anyway. uh, yeah. Uh, so Jerry uh, is is filming with um, with Matthew, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. <Yeah. laughs> oh man! And um, uh, he's really, really pushing the fact that it's it's a uh, it's a short show. I think he said the average episode is fourteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's sort of taking a, a you know a lighthearted dig at the fact that a lot of shows on Netflix are really complicated, and a lot of popular shows in general are so, like Game of Thrones. Um, you know, any any popular show, there's a lot of characters, a lot yeah, of moving parts. Exactly. A lot of it's obviously serialized where you've got to watch once you watch one episode, that's mm. it. Whereas comedians and cars getting coffee, you can watch maybe one or two. Yeah. And then you can be like, Oh, I'll watch another one next week. Yeah. It's not like you gotta be like, Oh, I gotta watch the next one. Yeah. You know, they're they're non serial. Yeah. Supposedly. It's not part yeah. of a, a bigger narrative. No, that's right. That's right. So uh Jerry's little hook is he goes, uh the show's short and it's no uh, no royalty and no robots. That's his thing. <laughs> nice. Um yeah, and that actually comes out next week, so July sixth. Worldwide, right. it'll be available on Netflix, nice. and uh, we'll no doubt be tuning in and uh, you know talking about it as it well as we're watching it. Well, I'm halfway through season one, so I've got a number of episodes or number of seasons before I get to season ten. Got to catch so. up. I did rewatch yeah. the Obama episode this morning. Oh, okay, yep. or last night. Yeah, sometime recently. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> the second bit of news. Um, Jason Alexander uh, recently appeared on Mark Maron's podcast. Ah. So Mark Maron is a, an American stand-up comedian. Um, oh, yeah, it, I've seen his podcast, uh, yeah. the Directory of iTunes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of the most downloaded podcasts. Yeah. He's sort of like Joe Rogan. He got really, he got in really early. During the golden age of podcasting. I well, guess. just during the first sort of wave. He started, I think, yeah. in 08 or 09. Right. It's up to nearly 1,000 episodes. Yeah. That's like Joe Rogan. I think you started yeah. at 9, 10. You know, yeah. before every man and his dog had a, you know, had a podcast. <laughs> Bums like us with yeah. a couple of microphones exactly. and a computer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's do a pod. Yeah. yeah. When it was actually a professional thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, before it got flooded. <laughs> yeah, flooded by idiots like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so recently he did sit down with Jason Alexander uh, on his podcast. It's called WTF, What What the Fuck, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it goes for about an hour, just over an hour. And it's basically just like a summary of George's... Oh, sorry. George's... Jason's... <laughs> Korea. Um, well, from first s- I wanted to be an architect, yeah. and then I worked for a real estate agent, yes. <laughs> and, then, and then I worked for a toy company, and then I worked for the Yankees. Yep. And then yep. I worked for a guy called Mr. Kruger. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just all the dodgy shit that George. And has then done. I went to jail. They need more than an hour to go through that. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. So he he literally covers from his like his childhood all the way till his uh you know what he's doing lately yeah. it's really good yeah um and he touches on seinfeld only briefly for maybe like two minutes yeah and he doesn't even really talk about him on seinfeld specifically or or you know george as a character um mark asks him about uh you know what was the overall experience like and he mentioned that um he like he felt really blessed to be on the show because oh of course you know, made his career yeah that's yeah. right yeah um you know he'd turn up he'd work five days a week and apparently he was only working four in the last couple of seasons so maybe they were filming longer four days, days a week yeah okay. maybe they were filming longer days maybe or he had less scenes i'm not sure mm-hmm. um and he said that well his 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 um suspicion has always been that 
Larry David left at the end of season seven due to the to, due, basically due to the pressure. Yeah, because you know him and Jerry were the brains, and um, apparently Larry David just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, it was just too much for him, so he, he bailed. Fair enough. You know, and that left it to Jerry. And, yeah, um, and then he and Jerry hired other writers to help write the scripts. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and he also does talk about um, sort of the discussions they had sort of at the end of season seven and season eight of like, you know, this is going to wrap up soon-ish and apparently no one was too bothered at the end. You know, they all felt like it was the right time. So even yeah. though it was Jerry's decision, yeah. being, you know, executive producer and showrunner um, and creator, all the other cast were like, yep, feels right. So there was cool. no animosity. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a nice, clean... They can move on with their careers. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, cool. Um, I'll have to watch it. Oh, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's really good. Really worth a listen. Cool. Um, and the final bit of news, uh, there is a culture website called About, uh, and it's sort of a, yeah, it's a culture news site for Stark County, which is uh, a region in Ohio, uh-huh. a county. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they have a, a monthly article that they call Speech and Debate. And uh, each month they take two sort of much loved things in pop culture or in life and uh, pit them against each other in sort of a lighthearted debate. So, mm-hmm. you know, Pepsi versus Coke, things like that. Yeah. Thin crust versus thick crust. Let me Just guess, Seinfeld versus Friends. Yep. Yeah, of course. Yep. So, uh, a staff member at, at the site, uh, a Friends fan and a Seinfeld fan, sort of put forward a debate on, on why which show, you know, uh, on why each show is better. Yeah. According to them. Yeah. And the, the article writer, he's the person who decides, you know, based on the cases that are put forward to him. But he couldn't decide... So they actually did a staff vote for everyone who worked from everyone who works there. Yeah, and uh, apparently Seinfeld won oh. by, by an overwhelming amount. Hands down, of yeah, course. That's right. Yeah, and the qualities put forward for Seinfeld were obviously its quotes, uh, formula breaking ideas, and most most importantly, well, to us at least, um, the excellent excellently written secondary characters. Yes, indeed. It actually, states that. So that that's, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's so, awesome. Yeah, see, um, see, about probably listens to us and said, yeah, these guys are right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put that in the article. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they wouldn't know who we are. No. No. And uh, the, the the case made for Friends was that it was more relatable for 20-somethings. It was yeah. a bit more, yeah. you know, relatable for younger people. And yeah. uh, it actually had love in it. You know, it had positive emotions in it. Yeah, the, a lot, the, the characters learned off each other. Yeah. And they, they, whereas in... in Basically, the, the, the mantra on the set of Seinfeld was no hugging, no learning. Yeah. So the characters didn't learn no. from their mistakes. Nope. They were just their cold-hearted selves. They just learned how to be bigger assholes Pretty as much. went along. Yeah, basically. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. Thank you very much for that. When we come back, we're talking about the secondary characters, Bonnie, Scott, and the Ukrainian from this week's episode, The Label Maker. You're on But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of this great show. This is episode four of season three of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and welcome back to the show. Uh, we're talking about today the label maker from season six and its secondary characters. So uh, what do you reckon? I'll get into an episode synopsis. Sounds good. It's a bit of a long one, a bit longer than usual. Um, but yeah, please bear with me. And I guess as we go along, we might be able to maybe make some comments and stuff. See what happens. So cool. First aid in the US, January 19, 1995, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Alec Berg and Jeff Schaefer. Jerry has two tickets to the Super Bowl, but is unable to attend because he has to go to the Drake's wedding. I love the Drake. I hate the Drake. Love the Drake. Love the Drake. He gives the tickets to Tim Watley, Brian Cranston. Uh, meanwhile, George has a new girlfriend named Bonnie, played by Jessica Tuck, and he's eager to go into her apartment. 
That's not a euphemism, a literal apartment. <laughs> well, he wants to do both. <laughs> In, indeed. He's upset when he finds out that she has a male roommate named Scott, played by Cleto Augusto, who looks a lot like George. Elaine and Jerry suspect that Watley is a re-gifter after he gives Jerry a label maker that Elaine bought for Watley as a thank you for the tickets. The Kramer and Newman play an extended game of Risk, leaving the board in Jerry's neutral apartment. You like Switzerland. But I don't want to be Switzerland. But he doesn't have that kind of whiny tone to it. Like, he no, kind of says it, but it, it's a bit more subdued. It's like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be Switzerland. <laughs> it was good how he just threw it in, though. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and he leaves it in Jerry's neutral apartment to prevent any of them from tampering with the board. Kramer tells Jerry that the Drake's wedding has been postponed due to the Super Bowl, and Newman gleefully tells Jerry that he and Watley will be going to the game. George questions Bonnie about her behaviour with Scott, while Elaine starts dating Watley. And investigates to see if he still has the label maker. And Watley believes that Elaine's inviting herself upstairs to his place uh, as being an invitation for him to seduce her. He asks Elaine to go to the Super Bowl with her, but she backs out, and Tim gives Jerry a ticket back. Scott moves out of Bonnie's apartment, which impresses George, only to find that all of the furniture, including the velvet couch, I would drape myself in velvet if it were perfectly weak. Or no, shit. If it was socially acceptable. If it was socially acceptable. Oh, shit. I got that wrong. It was like the best line in the episode. <laughs> I would drape myself in velvet if it was socially acceptable. Yes. I know. I, I had the line ready to go. I was like, yeah. You overthought it. Yeah, and I did. You got distracted by velvet. I did. By being ensconced in velvet. Yes, indeed. Oh, well. I need a label. I don't know. I don't know. What, what am I saying? I got no freaking idea. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you continue? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I think I better. Um, he, so, yeah, Watley asks Elaine to the Super Bowl. She says no, blah, blah, blah. Scott moves out of Bonnie's apartment, which impresses George, only to find that all the furniture, including the velvet couch, are all Scott's items, leaving the apartment pretty much empty. Uh, Kramer's car gets towed, and he takes the risk board with him on the subway, where he and Newman continue to play until a Ukrainian passenger, Wayne Grace... Uh, he's played by Wayne Grace, uh, smashes the board after overhearing Kramer insult his country. Elaine uncovers Watley's secret, who admits that the label maker was defective, and they end up kissing passionately after Elaine gets upset. The labels on Scott's boxes fall off on the mall truck, or the mail truck, and become the property of the post office, much to Newman's delight. Hmm. Freebies! Hmm. You, you know what that means. Boxes with no labels. Freebies! <laughs> And Newman's so annoying at he's, the end. Yeah, I know. Such a punisher. He is. All up in Jerry's grill. Jerry's like, just give me hot an, dog breath. And just give up. me an inch. Yeah. An inch. He's not even listening. Yeah, I know. Desperate to escape his relationship with Bonnie, George asks if he, she's keen on a menage a trois, a reference to an earlier episode, The Switch, which uh, George suggests to Jerry, uh, which her and Scott are interested in, <laughs> to George's disdain as Scott begins to advance towards him. Mm. Jerry sees Newman at the Super Bowl and has to sit next to him for the whole game. And uh, then there are no other secondary characters. Nope. Just the three that we mentioned. Yes. Well, we've already done Tim Watley, as we mentioned before, mm. so we've already uh, spoken about him. So if you want to talk about him, or if you want to hear about him, go back to our What's the Deal with Jerry's Enemies episode, yep. and uh, he'll be on there. Yeah. We did a pretty deep dive on him. Oh, we did. And that's why he was one of my favorite secondaries. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just incredible. Like, you, after we spoke about him. discovered Tim. We discovered that he has a drug habit. Yeah. Or we, we, we theorized. Yep. Yeah, so. and that, that explains a lot of his behaviour. Of course. Yeah, but if you want to know more, go back and listen. Please, and listen to all our other episodes. That'd be great. Bit of trivia for the episode. Did you know, Stephen, you know, George claims that he would drape himself in velvet if it were socially acceptable. There yep. we go. Um, and do you know he dons a velvet suit later in an episode called The Doodle? That's right. He does. That's in this season. Yeah, yep. six. Yep. I think, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What yep. do you have? 
Uh, another bit of trivia. So there isn't uh, any hotel. I did. I only realised this as I was reading this trivia now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Tim Watley and Elaine. The Super Bowl's actually in Miami. In Miami, yeah, yeah. Jerry mentions that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't pick that up. And uh, Newman's wearing a Miami Dolphins hat um, <laughs> at the end. And apparently there's no hotel by the name of the ambassador in Miami, but no. there is one in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, that's right. So yeah. maybe Watley was just... Right downtown. Right downtown. Maybe he was trying to go right downtown. Yes, yeah, he certainly was. <laughs> he was. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, she was suffering from a cold uh, when she performed the kissing scene with Brian Cranston. Uh, she apologised to him in advance, knowing that the kiss would happen and he would probably get sick. You know, it turns out that Brian Cranston would actually end up spending a week in bed, and he lost three pounds after what? contracting what Julia had. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. So she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sick. You know, it's just a bit of a cold." And Cranston was out for a week. Huh? Crazy. And he lost three pounds. You're right. It's insane. Another bit of trivia, a bit of continuity uh, oversight. Oh this yeah. This is actually not common because normally their continuity is really good. Yeah, pretty on point, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So uh, right at the start in the opening scene, Jerry tells George uh, that Kramer wouldn't be interested in Super Bowl tickets because he's only interested in Canadian football. That's right. Yeah. Uh, which is called the CFL, which is basically Canadian NFL. Yeah. Um, CNFL. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, but in the episode The Masseuse from season four, I believe, um, Kramer gets really stoked when he has an opportunity to go see the New York Giants play, who are an NFL team. So, you know, I guess you would call it a continuity. Oh, no, it's actually season five, Steve. Is it? We spoke about the stall two weeks ago, and The Masseuse was an earlier episode okay. of season five. But it came out in 93. Yeah, yeah. Um but, but like that, late 93 yeah must have been early 95 yeah yeah no, because okay, yep, I remember when we did the stall one of the trivia um, things were that the um, Jerry mentions when he gets his massage he says was that oh, the episode before yeah I think it was maybe two or three before right yeah okay yeah Jerry's like oh I've been waiting for this right you know so that episode must have been late 93 because this was January 1995 yeah um, yeah okay that makes sense yeah yeah either way um, yeah so Kramer's tastes obviously change in a year and a bit yeah maybe he just had enough of the NFL yeah he had enough of kneeling the players kneeling yeah he's like uh, Colin Kaepernick yep. I'm done with him yep <laughs> even though he wasn't Polit- born or he's a kid at the time he's like I'm done with with all the politics yep I just want to watch the, the sport deal with politics am I right <laughs> yeah that's what he was like yeah he went back he went forward in time watched the NFL you know all the kneeling and he's like oh, I don't want this Back to Canadian football for me. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any other trivia? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no trivia about the episode, but I do have a bit of information about the game Risk. Okay. So Risk is a strategy board game of diplomacy, conflict, and conquest for two to six players. And uh, the standard version is played on a board depicting a political map of the Earth divided into 42 territories, including Eastern Australia and Western Australia. Oh, wow. Go figure. Which One of those are, is correct. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which are grouped into six continents. That's the way it should be. I reckon in Australia, just have two states, East and yeah. West. And then Tasmania can be like a territory. <laughs> no, I reckon Tassie should be East part of the East. Yeah, yeah okay. why not? Cool. Yeah, and don't, West. Don't, don't preclude them. Yeah. So the risk board is pretty accurate then. Right. Yeah. So would Sydney still be... East. The, yeah. No, Canberra's the capital. That'll always be the capital, Always. But, you know, Canberra was built because Sydney and Melbourne couldn't decide who'd be the capital. Yeah. So they thought, you know what, let's just build it. Yeah, we'll slap <laughs> up a town of driveways and politicians. Couldn't yeah, and massive worse. roundabouts and fountains. What a shithole. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> if you're from Canberra, sorry. <laughs> no, if you like Canberra, that's fine. I yeah. don't. Oh, that's okay. Enough. That's all right. That's yeah, cool. for a night or two, it's all right. Yeah. I guess. yeah. <laughs> driving through. <laughs> yeah, driving, driving through. Yeah. Driving, di- driving down the highway. Yeah. yeah. Why'd you go to Canberra? <laughs> to get directions on how to get away from Canberra. <laughs> oh. I, I had a friend or a family friend who used to say, because um, in Brisbane, and I used to say, oh, have you ever been to Melbourne? He goes, yeah, I've been to Melbourne many times. 
And he goes, oh, I, and he goes, do you know what the best part of Melbourne is? And I said, what? He said, the airport. <laughs> when you when you arrive, yeah, that's uh, what I said. He's like, no, on the way out, of course. Really? Like, oh, fair enough. What kind of psychopath doesn't like Melbourne? Oh, people from Sydney. <laughs> How long has your friend been a member of Al Qaeda? Oh no, no, <laughs> don't insinuate that kind of stuff, please. Well, there's no insinuation there. <laughs> no, those not. two are those two are. Direct, directly correlated. Anyway, do you want to know how risk works? Yes. So um, each turns ro- turns rotate rather among players who control armies of playing pieces, which they attempt to capture territories from other players, which results with results determined by dice rolls. Uh, players may form and dissolve alliances during the course of the game, and the goal of the game is to occupy every territory on the board, and in doing so, eliminate the other players. And games can take either a few hours or multiple days to finish. And this game was invented in 1957 by a French filmmaker named Albert Lamoris. Huh. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so that's Risk. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've never played it. No. It looks confusing, but apparently it's very appealing to children and adults. Yeah. I think it would be like doing a puzzle. You know, you've got to, if you don't mind playing a long game. Yeah. You know, patience and strategy, definitely. Do you reckon when Kim and uh, Donnie got together for the summit, do you reckon they should have just got a board of Risk and said, hey guys, let's just play Risk. Yep. If Kim wins, he keeps the nukes. If Don wins, then uh, you've got to denuclearize. Kimmy, what do you reckon? That would probably mean that nu- uh, that Korea would have nuclear bombs. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no way Don's winning that one. No, no. It'd be like... <laughs> really great. That was a great move. <laughs> that was a great really move. Great. I'll just keep all my armies around America. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're withdrawing from international conflict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Don's advice is like... Don, you're supposed to win. I already am winning. <laughs> I'm America's winning. number one. <laughs> We've already won. And please be sure to listen to, but I don't want to be a tertiary character with Stuart and I and Ian. They're a great, great bunch of podcasters. <laughs> you kind of sounded like Richard Nixon there. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a podcaster. <laughs> I am not, I am not a, a podcaster. <laughs> I am not a crook. I am not a crook. <laughs> thumb, P, thumb. Oh, no, um, V's. Yeah. Falls up. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. he's getting on Air Force One. That's right. Famous pose. Indeed. Let's talk Talk about some secondary characters. Indeed. Bonnie, played by Jessica Tuck. She's known for appearing in TV shows True Blood and in a main role in Judging Amy, as well as the, firm, uh, the film... Oh, God. I had a really tough day at work today. <laughs> All good, mate. Um, as well as the film Super 8. Uh, she's also appeared in soap operas Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. Hmm. Yes. Another soap opera actress. Yeah. Yep. They're quite common. That's right. Indeed. So, yeah, Bonnie. Um, what can we say about her? I mean, obviously, you know, she has a housemate named Scott and clearly... You know, they're into each other sexually, <laughs> you know, or they've at least talked about the idea of having sex or maybe using someone like George to kind of bridge their sexual tension together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a sexual tension as opposed to just an aligned sexual desire. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I think it's fair to say that most people wouldn't be into group sex. Yeah. You know, most people's sexualities are pretty... I guess you would say vanilla, and well, I don't mean that in an insulting way, but... Yeah, like Jerry said, he doesn't want to be the orgy guy. That's right. And he's got to throw parties, and then yeah. he's got to dress different. Exactly. Yeah, George George didn't want to be the orgy guy. No. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, George is jealous of Scott just because he exists in the same house. Imagine yeah. him, you know, doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't yeah. think he'd handle that very well. I don't think it would work. Yeah. That's okay. You can just throw my bras off the towel rack. That just throw my, bras, my bras on the floor. <laughs> and then George is just like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I so I sort of I think she's a student. Okay. I mean, student. she's obviously got she's either got no money or she does work full time and she doesn't really care. I mean, she even says we don't need those things. So I don't think she's very materialistic. Uh, okay. I I thought of it in a way that maybe Bonnie perhaps escaped a previous 
partner. Okay. Maybe she was the victim of domestic violence. I oh, know it's a Whoa. bit dark. I know, or maybe she had a bad relationship or a bad breakup or something. She had to leave them, or maybe she had to leave her family, or or she had a tiff with her family and didn't get her belongings or whatever. Okay. And then she came to New York and she needed a place to stay. And Scott was looking for a housemate. Uh. And then I think she moved in because you know she's got nothing. Yeah. Except the clothes on her back, basically. Uh. You know, so she probably came to New York. You know running away from something. Okay. Yeah, that was just the way I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fair take. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit rough domestic violence. Probably not, but... Yeah, you know, uh, your, she, point, she, your point is that she had to leave. She had to pack up and leave, just grab a suitcase full of her clothes and her personal belongings, and that's it. Okay. You know, she, or yeah. Or, or maybe, like you said, she's a student, or maybe she she's new, to, new in town. You know, maybe... Um, you know, she didn't have all of her furniture and stuff, and she wanted something mm. fully furnished, and... Yeah. Yeah, she thought, you know... Scott would be, you know, a good candidate for a housemate. And okay. that was it. Well, the reason I thought she was a student, not only because of her lack of possessions, yeah, but also after Scott's stuff is all gone and they're uh, going to watch the Super Bowl and they're sitting on the pillows, if you look in the background, the only thing that's left is paintings. Yeah. So I think she's either a painter or she collects art. Okay. Because when I, I rewatched, uh, you know, the couple of scenes when Scott's stuff is there, and all the paintings, like none of the paintings go. So all of the all of the decorative sort of cosmetic things around the apartment are hers, but all of the bigger stuff, the furniture, are his. Yeah. So that made that made me think maybe she's a painter, maybe she's a fine arts student. Or oh something. yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and the fact that she doesn't have any any material possessions, but maybe she's both. Maybe she came to New York with nothing because she had to leave a former life for whatever reason. Yeah, for whatever reason, she just had to pack up and go. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. Yep. 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 And uh, you know, maybe she got into a, a course like a fine arts course, or you know some sort of degree maybe at RISD or something like the yep. Rhode Island school uh, Rhode Island design school I think it's called maybe yeah like just you know she she got a good uh, you know um, she got a good entry into a good college or something yeah and those two things lined up she thought well I've got to leave and now I've got this opportunity and it all just kind of because she seems quite happy as well she so. seems very humble do you think she came from like a poor upbringing because she says I, to George like you mentioned that before I, right well I've got a note that uh, well I said that she's she doesn't come across as very materialistic yeah, and she yeah. does say that but I think yeah she didn't have much money growing up yeah I don't think she was sort of destitute no but, but she didn't definitely have you know, the best stuff you know no, no. she just had the basics enough to get her by yeah you know but I also think she was surrounded by love yeah she's very okay. affectionate yeah and very sort of loving you know she's very cuddly with George well I think your theory of her being a student is probably more plausible I think maybe she just said what's the point of me buying all this furniture in New York I have no idea about the place. She's probably not even from New York. Yeah, she's probably from out of town. No, I, I think we should go for both. All right. You know, she's she's both. All right. You know, so she she had to leave her former town, wherever that was, for whatever reason, and uh, you know, she came to New York. She didn't know what to do, and she got into college. You know, she's always been artistic, not very materialistic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, she's very affectionate. So I think she came from a good family, um, or at least a loving family. Yeah. Um. You know, and that's carried through in terms of how she expresses her emotional side. Yeah. You know, in physical affection. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I thought as well, if she's an art student, you know, generally art students are sort of quite liberal-minded yeah. and progressive and all of that sort of stuff. You know, and her, her sexuality is quite liberal compared to a lot of people. Oh, indeed, You know, yes. the fact that she's quite openly into group sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that she's... Her and her and Scott have obviously been... Talking Not, about not on the hunt, but, you know, keeping their eyes open. Yeah, yeah. Um, that someone is interested. Because yeah. obviously, like you mentioned, group sex isn't like a popular thing. Yeah, I know. mean, it's not it's not taboo or underground, no. but it's certainly unconventional. Yeah, it is. You know, um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of what I got from... 
from her. Yeah, fair enough. And then George, you know, when Scott was advancing on George, he wasn't happy. Yeah, clearly, uh, <laughs> he clearly was, was going to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually going to be his in. <laughs> yeah, basically, I was out and I wasn't even in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So clearly, you know, Scott's bisexual. Well, I guess we'll talk about Scott in a sec. But yeah, I think yeah. you know whether it's bisexuality or bi curious, you know, bi curious. You know, who knows? Like yeah. You know, he's obviously attracted to men and women mm, in whatever mm. in whatever way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. I guess we should talk about Scott. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. Uh, played by the late actor and producer uh, Cleto Augusto, uh, known for appearing in the film The Artist, and uh, he made appearances in sitcoms such as Murphy Brown, Home Improvement, uh, and Married with Children. Uh, 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 yes. Both of which we were talking about before we started recording. Indeed, yes. <laughs> um, he passed away in April 25th, 2015. He was age 60, uh, and he died in West Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. I almost thought it was someone else because when I was looking up his acting credits on IMDb, the the profile photo that they had looked completely different. Nothing like him, yeah. I think he lost a lot of weight. He probably or... did. He was probably Wayne Knight. Yeah. Wayne Knight lost a lot of weight. That's true. He was older. Yeah. yeah. It's probably the same thing. Yep. Yeah. He was also in a movie called I Know What You Did Last Winter. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. I, I didn't want to mention it, but was yeah. that like a parody or no? I have no idea. I have no idea what it is. Surely it's not like a dud sequel. Nah. It's probably like a parody. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, yep. Who knows? So, 90s yeah. slasher horror. Oh, man. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah. So, yeah, Scott, he... He seems like a good guy. Yeah, he does. He seems, obviously, he's got a st- good stereo. He's got a nice velvet couch. So, he's in... You know, he earns a bit of money. Bit yeah. Of coin, yeah. And he can afford his own apartment, or I guess with Bonnie, but he can afford his own apartment in New York. Yeah. You know, he, I, I think he works in sort of a high-paying job because... Yeah. When he moves, when when uh, Bonnie asks him to move out, and uh, right at the end when the labels are falling off inside the truck, you see the address. You see the address, and I looked up that address on Google Maps. What was the address? It was like uh, two hundred five West End Avenue, apartment twenty five. So West End Avenue is oh yeah, it's, it's right in the middle of Manhattan. Oh sure, and right. it's two blocks back from the river. Oh sure, so it's in quite you know uh, uh, quite a posh area. Quite a posh area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, unless he's moving into someone's house, he knows, or it's his parents' house. If assuming that that's his new apartment, um, you know, I think he he does pretty well for himself. Yeah. And sure. like George says, you know, he's got pretty um pretty good furniture. You know, velvet couches aren't cheap. No, they're not. You know, and he's got a whole a whole apartment full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he does it right. The stereo and the TV. Yeah, that's right. Oh, velvet. Is this velvet? <laughs> um, my theory was that he works maybe in IT. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I was just sort of running with the fact that he's kind of a bit. He kind of looks like a stereotypical nerd. Sure. You know, and um, and I see he's very uh, he's a bit introverted as well. You yeah. Know, he doesn't look like an outgoing. No. Not that I'm saying anyone in IT is introverted, but no, no. I see what you mean. He's probably in a job where he does his own thing. It's very autonomous. Yep. You know, he just does his own thing. And I could imagine him being yeah. like a software engineer or something where it's just like he just sits around and codes. Yeah. You know, but he gets paid really well because mm. he's a smart dude. Yeah, yeah. You course. know, yeah, that's how he can afford an apartment on Western Avenue. That's right. He probably helped create Windows 95. Yeah. <laughs> Back in those days. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> he seems quite um, emotionally mature as well. Yeah. You know, because George is concerned that... Um, uh, he's in a better position than him with Bonnie because he's working from the inside. And I love George's line. He's like, I look like me and I'm working from the outside. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, we mentioned before that Scott could be bisexual or bicurious. Hmm. Do you think Scott is actually gay, but he might be heterocurious? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, I, I I, think... I'm not too sure about, about that, but I'm thinking because, you know, Bonnie seems very comfortable with Scott. Okay. And, you know, if you were, like, a single woman living with, like, a straight man, mm. you wouldn't, 
I, I'd imagine, I guess George asked some pretty plausible questions. It's like, do you walk around with your robe out or do you hold on to it like this and stuff? But I don't know. I'm thinking maybe Scott could just could be uh, gay. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a possibility. possibility. I, know, I know where you're going with it. Like, I know. I understand and, and what Bonnie, you're trying to get And Bonnie at. wouldn't feel as threatened, you know, with another man, you yeah. know, like a straight man. Like, if you get a straight man and a straight woman, mm. you know, not that I'm saying anything would happen relatively. But it's a but different dynamic. It's a different dynamic. You know, even Bonnie says, throw my bar- bras on the floor. Mm. I bet if I lived with a female housemate, they probably wouldn't leave their bras hanging out. unless. But then again, Bonnie's quite open too. Yeah. So, who knows? I guess it could be. I, don't I think know. it's. Yeah, I mean, whatever his sexuality is. He, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. Of course. Uh, you know, the point we're trying to make is that he obviously is not just purely hetero. No. I think that's the ultimate point we're yeah, trying I think to that's, make. Yeah, yeah, Whether yeah, he's yeah. bi, curious, bisexual, gay, mm, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that he, he swings both ways, if okay. not just men, for mm-hmm. sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, not that that's like, you know, a major thing, but it's just, yeah. No, no, I mean, it's a major part of his character. Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's worth talking about. Mm, indeed, indeed. indeed. Um, Great. Any other notes on Scott? Uh, no, that's all I had. Other than, like I said, I think he's emotionally mature. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, because Bonnie feels quite comfortable around yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. You know. And, and Bonnie's they, use of mention is quite liberal as well. So, yeah. you know, it's all relative. Definitely. Yeah, cool. Um, actually, I did find out that his last name is Thomas, which is not in any of the credits on uh, Wikipedia. Or oh, that was Wikisign. on the label, was it? It's on the Scott label. Thomas, yeah. Yep, you almost missed it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got? We've got the uh, Ukrainian. Yeah, that, I think that's it too. I mean, there's not many secondaries in this no, one. No, I think they're the only three. Besides Tim Watley, but we mentioned yeah. before about And him, Newman so. as well. Oh, yeah, Newman, Our 20th of episode. What's the deal with Newman? If you want to go all the way back to season two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To that? Season two. Yeah, we're not when we were, uh, I was on Skype. That's right. <laughs> I was in bed when we did that episode. Oh, yeah. Yes, we did. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, what happened. Um, the Ukrainian, played by actor and writer Wayne Grace, uh, known for appearing in Mulholland Drive, Far away and Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter. That's right. So he's obviously very proud to be Ukrainian. Yes. And he's very insulted when uh, from Ukraine. Yep. Ukraine yes. is not weak. Ukraine is not weak. And uh, he's quite an angry man as well. I actually thought he was like Eastern European, the yeah. actor, but no, he's American. He sort of looks Eastern European. He has that he, Eastern European look. And he's got the intensity he? about him. And he wears the hat and the uh, yeah. and the uh, jacket as well. Yeah, no, Wayne does a really good job of of putting you know, the right vibe out. Yeah, he does. To be a Ukrainian man Definitely. on the train. Yes. So, um, uh, yeah, migrant, you know, obviously moved to, to the US maybe many years ago. Yeah, could have you been know. after the fall of the Soviet Empire. Possibly, yes. He's still got quite a thick accent. Yeah, he does. You know, you know, very proud of his country. Yeah. You know, especially with the history between, you know, Russia and the Ukraine as well. You yeah. Know, he feels very full of pride for his country, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if someone insults his country, and it's he probably smashes am- your risk board. That's right. Yeah. And it's probably amplified by the fact that he, he might miss his country. Yeah, he probably had to, he obviously had to leave because of the persecution and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and just the yeah. downfall of the, the USSR. That's right. A lot of people, you know, buggered off because it yeah. wasn't, wasn't too fun to be around. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Puttyism. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the fact that he's not in Ukraine, he probably misses his mother country, he might still have family over there. Yeah. So when he hears two people insulting it, uh, you know, seemingly insulting it, even though it's just a fun sort of jab in the context of a board game. I still have a stronghold in the Ukraine. The Ukraine. Ukraine is weak. <laughs> Ukraine is not weak. Not weak. Hey, we're trying to play a game here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's just a proud Ukrainian yep. man. Who might need a bit of anger management? I think so. Yeah. Oh, at least he didn't smash their faces. That's he just true. smashed the board. So, That's true. You know. Yeah. Mm. But, but it's funny, like, because they're playing Risk for so long, and then 
you know, ironically, a Ukrainian person just smashes the board. Yeah. And it's all over. Yeah. Risk is over. Yeah. Mm. And that would have been, uh, you know, uh, Newman's last stand in the Ukraine. It was. like, I've still got my armies in the Ukraine. I still a stronghold in Ukraine. Yeah. And, and Kramer just belittles the Ukraine. Like, yeah. They're Ukraine. And he, do- he does win. Ukraine saves him. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel frustrated because it's... You know, Newman is a is a like a weasel. He you does. Know, he, gets, he gets out of stuff, and he yeah. he you know accidentally got out of that. I mean, even though Kramer, you could say he technically won. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that it wasn't concluded, it's <laughs> they, so frustrating. It's they just reached like, no. world peace. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really funny. I, I I was watching this episode on my DVDs, and there was a deleted scene huh. where Newman and Kramer. This is when Newman and Kramer introduce the board to Cherry, and they leave it there. Newman actually turns around before they're about to leave, and he says, "Hang on." Um, Kramer, you have a key to Jerry's apartment. You oh. could come in here any time and just take the board. And so then um, he says, "All right, Kramer, give give Jerry his key." And so Kramer gives Jerry his key. Okay. And, he, and Jerry hangs on to it. Huh? Yeah. Still doesn't stop uh, Newman from no, cheating. No, it doesn't. But I'm, I'm glad they deleted it though. Yeah. Because you know it made it look like that Kramer could be sus and yeah. I think the writers wanted to make it that Newman was the dodgy one and Kramer was the honest one you yeah. know what I mean yeah. otherwise it would have made the dynamics different it would have mm. been like both of them trying to cheat on the board you know mm. what I mean and then Kramer would have had the unfair advantage of the key yep. for Jerry so yep. yeah I'm glad they cut that out That's you'll right. find it on YouTube at mm-hmm. the lead scene yep. yeah okay yeah. Uh, just some characters uh, said and not seen mm. so I do yep. like to make mention of characters that are mentioned but not seen of course so other than Newman and Tim but I don't want to be an unseen secondary character <laughs> well you don't have to be <laughs> so the Drake is mentioned yes love the Drake yep uh, Jerry's building super oh um, yeah he has all the keys yep yep and also a guy named Arthur Jabanian Jabanian uh, Kramer mentions him in the diner he says something 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 Arthur no 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 sorry at the start the opening scene uh, mm. Jerry mentions Arthur Germanian and the Dr- and the Drake like he's in the wedding party. Oh I yeah, I don't know yeah. who he is. Okay, he's just a name. He's like they, a Bob Sacramento. Yeah, it's just, but he's only mentioned once. He's never mentioned again. He's just someone <laughs> in their world. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's all the secondary characters for the label maker. Yeah, I know. Crazy. He's only a few. Yeah, yeah, but no. but they're all good. Yeah, they're all good. I like them all. Let's have a quick break and we'll come back and we're going to find out. You know, we've we've done 50 uh, Seinfeld episodes, as in we've reviewed 50 of them, not wow. including What's the Deals. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Hmm. Number 50. So we're going to find out where in our now top 50 episodes of all time the label maker sits for Steve and I, and uh, do any of the secondary characters fit in our top 20 secondaries of all time? You know what the Ukraine is? It's a sitting duck. A road apple, Newman. The Ukraine is weak. It's feeble. I think it's time to put the herd on the Ukraine. I come from Ukraine. You're not say Ukraine weak. Yeah, well, we're playing a game here, pal. Ukraine is game to you. How about I take your little borders? Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of the show. And uh, we're about to go through our top 10 secondary characters and where this week's episode, The Label Maker, fits into our top 50 now. I know. I mentioned before the break, 50 episodes of the show that we've done. I know. Not including our special episodes, What's the Deals, B episodes. That's about something. 28% of the way through the whole series. Pretty much, yeah. So we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, we do. At we least do. a couple of years. Oh, at least. So we're good. Yeah. We're I mean, Signcast went for what, five years? Four years? Four or five years. Four or five years, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And now they're finished, so hmm. there's got to be one king in yeah. town, so, you know. <laughs> well, isn't uh, Post Show Recap still on? Yeah. I don't think they're doing Seinfeld anymore. Oh, really? They're finished, yeah. Oh, okay. 
I think they're still on, but they're not doing. They're okay. Not doing that. Yeah. Right. Anyway, there's got to be, like I said, one one king in this in this town. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's us. Okay. Okay. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Sure. We'll take uh, it. We'll take it. Yep. So, where does the label maker sit in your episodes? I did mention at the start of the episode that when I first watched it, uh, you know, I haven't watched this episode in a long time. I didn't really like it as much, but then I watched it a second time and I found it not too bad. Like, not it's not, you know, not top ten, not top twenty. Uh, not even top 30. Okay. But, you know, it was all right. It, it, it's not one of the worst ones I've seen. I put it at number 35. Okay. So it sits in between the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the little kicks, rather. And uh, at number 36 is the good news, bad news. Nice. The pilot. Okay. So it sits in between those. Cool. Yep. What about you? Uh, it comes in at number 22. All right. Yeah, cool. So I liked it. All right. Nice. Yeah. And uh, my top 10 episodes, I haven't gone through them this whole season yet. No, I'm going to do mine too. Yeah, they yeah. are in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but from 10 to 1, we have the phone message. Yep. Uh, the apartment, the pony remark, the baby shower, the stakeout, the limo, the sniffing accountant, the movie, the pen, and the jacket. Very good. Number 10 uh, for me is the movie, followed by the sniffing accountant at 9. 8 is the pony remark, followed by the Hamptons, the Bizarro Jerry. Uh, and the Soup Nazis number five. My top four, the Puffy Shirt, the Outing, the Mango, and the Contest. And my bottom five, Stephen, I don't know if you have these on you. I don't. Uh, number 46, the Strong Box. 47 is the Pen. That's one of your favourites and one of my least favourites. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Puerto Rican Day, which I don't think generally is a good episode anyway. Uh, the Heart Attack and the Stakeout, <laughs> which is one of your favourites. Yes. So there you go. Opposites. Yes. That's right. Opposites attract. Yes. Right? Sort of. No, I <laughs> In terms of... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it on. Where's Bonnie? No, she's not here. <laughs> uh, do any of the characters appear in your top 10 and uh, or 20? No, they do not. Nope. You? No. Okay. My top 10 characters, though, again, I haven't gone through them this season, and these will be in the show notes as well if you want to yeah. uh, check them out again. Uh, starting from 10, we have Rava from The Statue, Joe, the fruit shop owner from The Mango, Harold and Manny from The Apartment, who I guess would be the supers, because they're the superintendents for the building. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, back then they were. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not during that episode, the label maker though. This yeah. One. yeah. You think they would wouldn't I think they would be. Probably. I think we can assume they are. Alright. Yeah. Uh they've been doing it for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> well Jerry mentions that uh oh, sorry, Kramer mentions to Jerry that Newman was talking to the super only one. Yeah, yeah. So it was Harold or Manny, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. It's probably Harold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so he it would make more sense that an English-speaking person would keep his job. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, number seven, the Susan... Uh, the Susan, Susan Ross. The Susan Ross. The Susan Ross. Number Susan six, Ross. Sue Ellen Mishke. Five is Celia. Number four is the record store owner from The Old Man. Jane from The Hamptons is number three. Uh, Bob and Cedric, the street toughs from The Soup Nazi and The Puerto Rican Day. And... Oh, and The Van Buren Boys. Um, and also, no, not from The Van Buren Boys. Now they're from, from The Sponge. That's right. He's not wearing his ribbon. That's right. Uh, and number one forever, most likely, Alton Venice. <laughs> Alton Venice, From man. The Jacket. You should do a podcast just about Alton Venice. Yeah. All two episodes of them. That's right. <laughs> one episode. Or a Lawrence Tierney podcast. Yeah. You can talk about every year he was born. Like, yeah, every year he's lived, you can just talk about just do, his childhood. Just do a, uh, an episode-by-episode episode review of all of his movies. Yeah, basically. That'd yep. be fun. Yep. Very niche. Uh, I've mentioned my top ten in the past. I won't mention them again, but they'll be in the show notes. I won't mention them for maybe a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Do you have any Seinfeldisms this uh, week? None this week. How about you? Yeah. I've got two. Oh, yes, yeah, So, uh, over the weekend, I was in Adelaide. Adelaide. Yep. And uh, I was walking around with a friend, and I found a comic book store. Ah, yes. <laughs> and um, I <laughs> went in there, and I asked them if they had any Seinfeld-related anything, T-shirts, comics, whatever. 
the only thing that they had and it took her a little while to remember this she was like no we don't oh wait no we do um, there's one thing in the store one thing one thing yeah yep uh, they are Festivus themed uh, playing cards which I'm looking at right now yes. they look fantastic we've got yeah. to put them maybe on Instagram yeah no yeah. we will we yeah. will cool um, they're pretty cool they're pretty fun I think they were 12 bucks um, and yeah they're cool they look really good it's Frank Costanza with his Festivus pole and he's he's got that pose the Festivus for the rest of us that's the pose he makes in the strike yes with his he's arm declaring up. Festivus yep. in its uh, in its philosophy, the Great. philosophy of Festivus. Wonderful! I yeah. can't wait till we, till we do that episode. That's right. It's a good one. And my second one uh, today, actually, I was listening to an episode of the pod, of of the podcast called Chapo Trap House. It's a comedic podcast. It's sort of you know satirical, political. It's really cool. It's yeah. pretty funny. Um, and the there was like an opening skit for the episode where they were taking off someone. I can't remember who. And uh, for some reason, I guess because they're in New York, the Seinfeld theme was playing yep. in the background. It wasn't related to the skit. They just played it for some reason. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, cool. that's my other Seinfeldism. Very good. Well, there's a bit of Seinfeld in everyday life for that's us. That's right. If we really look hard enough, there's yeah. something. <laughs> you could probably find something every day if you really, really if looked. Yes, indeed, we yeah. could. And uh, why don't you read Seinfeldia before we wrap up? Oh, yeah. Well, Seinfeldia, and then we got some fan mail That's right. Well. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do. Anyway, so the Seinfeld trivia for this week. Uh, in 1989, Jason Alexander, you mentioned him in the Seinfeld news earlier today, uh, starred in Jerome Robbins' Broadway, playing an aspiring comedy writer, and he won a Tony for the role, a Tony Award. Uh, having achieved one he of just his... just won a guy named Tony. Here you yeah, go. Here you go. Tony. Hey, Tony. <laughs> hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Tony. Hey, 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 Tony. Having achieved one of his major dreams at age 29 when he won the award, he quoted Pippin, uh, the play, to his wife after the ceremony. I thought there'd be more plumes. He wasn't sure if he had anything left to aspire to. Okay. There was a young 29-year-old man and won a Tony. Good on you, JC boy. As Seinfeld was coming in, 1989. Hmm. Yeah. Year before. Yeah, year before. Oh, well, no, the pilot came out in 89. Did it? Yeah, it did. Late 89? Mm. Oh, yeah, it yeah, did too. Did. There you go. There you go. Good on you, Jason. Yes. Yeah. So we have some listener mail. When you control the mail, you control information. So this one is from a new listener called Nicole, and I believe she's from the United States. Uh, I don't know where, but uh, Nicole, thank you so much. Uh, she emailed us during the week. Uh, so she says, hi, I'm a new listener. I love your podcast. And I was thinking about the f- uh, that final ending of Seinfeld, as in the, you know, the finale, as I listen to your podcast, since I constantly think of ways they could have done it better. I do sort of get why they did this ending, as in the courtroom, you know, the courtroom scenes with Jim, the four going to jail. Um, she gets why they did this ending, because I know that they probably wanted all these old side characters to come back and make an appearance. I couldn't see that happening in a way that wouldn't come across as ridiculously obvious or annoying or nostalgic. Uh, knowingly nostalgic, I mean. Uh, although I'm open to other sides, ideas rather, of course. I'm wondering if you guys have ever heard of better finale alternatives. And anyway, love your podcast and look forward to listening to your podcast episodes. So thanks very much, Nicole. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really awesome to read that. Yeah, and we did um, we did reply back to her and we did give our uh, takes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think of any sort of uh, endings on the spot, but I did mention uh, in our email that, um, you know, I'd heard different things about how it, you know, fan theories about how it should have ended. Yeah, like the four getting away with it. And, yeah. You know, going back to their normal lives. That's and right. A few other things as well. And I think I also put some spin-off show ideas in there as well. Yeah, you did. It's Kramer going back to LA. Yeah. And pursuing like an acting career. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, Newman's Adventures at the UPS. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> cool stuff like that. Indeed. Yeah, but I, I said, I said um, Nicole, in the email back to you, I, I mentioned that I think 
I think the writers wanted the four after everything they've done to all those people. You know, basic things like, you know, uh, you know, telling her Jerry telling Marla about the contest to getting Babu deported. You know, extreme stuff like that. Like from very simple basic stuff to extreme stuff. Yeah, I think they wanted to get their. You know, the secondaries wanted to get their comeuppance against them. So yep. they all bandied together and they thought the courtroom was the most realistic way of doing it. Mm. So thought, let's get these buggers back yep. for what they've done. No, you they know? definitely deserved it. They did, definitely. Yeah, like we said last week, the finale will always be, you know, from the day it aired until now, until forever, mm-hmm. will always be polarizing. Yeah, it'll, it'll live it in infamy. It. Yeah. Definitely. But anyway, thanks so much, Nicole. And if you'd like to um, email us uh, as well, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And we have a website, bidwabask.com. And we're on social uh, media, social uh, media, social uh, media uh, at Inst- Facebook, uh, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, our handle is at Bidwabask, yep. and uh, we are on Patreon as well, bidwabask.com forward slash. No, it's Patreon. Oh. It's all right. Patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask is our Patreon page if you'd like to donate to the cause. And we have a website, Bidwabask.com. See, I, w- I mentioned before that I was a bit a bit flat yeah. <laughs> in this episode, and now you're you're at yep. the tail end and you're just relaxed. That's you're right. Like, uh, we even mentioned our website for the second time because I mentioned it before. Seinfeld.com. No, it's Seinfeld. Seinfeld.com. <laughs> just kidding. Yep. Next week, we're going to season eight. We're talking about the Van Buren boys. That's right. So, yes. And Jay Peterman makes an appearance in that episode. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be good to see him again. Indeed. Good watch to revisit with, uh, with Peter. Yes. And if if you have an episode idea or a secondary character idea that you'd like to run by us that we can talk about, let us know. You know, we don't do them in any order. Whatever episode comes up, comes up. Yep. So be my guest, friends. Indeed. Yes. And uh, you can listen to my interview podcast in Melbourne last week. Uh, I'll leave that in the show notes. And uh, my latest episode, I talk about my cancer diagnosis last year and what I went through. And uh, yeah, it was just a very uh, personal story, of course. And uh, yeah, I really wanted to share it to you. So uh, be sure to listen to that as well and subscribe to listen to previous interviews I've done with very interesting people. Awesome. Great. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And we're going to see you next week with the Van Buren Boys. (laughs) 